Coaches, hello, Coach Kevin Furtado again, and welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Today is episode 141. Today we have Coach John DeMarco. He is founder of Get Basketball Chat, founder of Get Better Basketball. Uh, he's a basketball coach, football coach, and player development specialist for 17 years. Former college football player, the 2013 Cal Coach of the Year in Basketball, 2013 Salem News Coach of the Year in Basketball, 2017 Salem New Coach of the Year in Basketball, and 2017 Massachusetts Boston Globe All-Scholastic Coach of the Year in Basketball. He also coached high school football with a 2012 state championship appearance. He received his doctorate from North Eastern University in 2016, stepped away from team coaching in 2017 to raise his children and work as a school administrator. He started the Get Better Basketball Chat in 2019, and he is now in his 67th straight week with his weekly Twitter Coaches Chat. He started Get Better Basketball webcast on YouTube in 2020. His weekly focus series for basketball coaches on Twitter and YouTube. He presented Get Better Basketball Coaches Clinic recently, and also he will be presenting at the Virtual Coaches Clinic next week. Coach DeMarco, I think, is, has some great stuff out there. He's really kind of a just a basketball contributor, I feel. I have stolen a lot of his ideas. He's got some great workouts right now. So uh, for all you coaches out there, I think you're going to get some great ideas on how you can help your team. I think nowadays is a great opportunity to get a lot of virtual ideas, a lot of great workouts, things you can do with your players, your teams. If you don't get stuff now, I'm not sure really what you're doing, but I think it's a great opportunity to steal a lot of ideas from great coaches. And uh, John's going to offer some great, some great points, some great emphasis. I'm going to pick his brain on uh, what's he doing now to help coaches. So let's welcome Coach John DeMarco. Hey, John. Hey, um, were you able to keep that first part of it or will it? I did. Yeah. What I do is I go, I go back and um, just kind of edit those particular areas, but Hey, we're, we're good. Hey, uh, I love what you were saying about how you grew up uh, in the parks. And my, my question was kids are not growing (laughs) up like that anymore. Are they? They're, they're growing up playing organized AAU. I think it's missed going back to the park and playing against older guys. Yeah, I was so fortunate, you know, having that experience as a kid. And that's where I really fell in love with the game because for me, I saw the older guys and some of those guys that played at UMass and Ohio State and other other big universities. And for me, that was something to aim for. Um, and then obviously the men's league my brother played in with some really talented players. Um, so, I, you know, I think to some degree kids miss out on that opportunity to – to be a kid and and just kind of go down there and, and, and kind of get in when you can and learn from some of those yeah. players. I mean, there's obviously a great benefit to AU basketball and opportunities to play against some really, really great competition. But, um, you know, the, the, I feel like the, like I said, that, that park is no more, um, you know, the, the basketball down there and they just, they built a school right over it. So, um, you're not seeing that type of basketball anymore um, or, or as frequently. I'm sure it's around a little bit, but not to what it was. It, I feel like kids just have to jump into the organized game. And um, and that's why I think it's so important um, 
you know, if they work with trainers or skills coaches to have opportunities to, um, you know, engage in some of those, you know, open runs and, and some of the one, one versus one um, small sided games and things like that, because that's where you really learn the game. And obviously it's important to play in uh, a lot of, you know, AAU tournaments and get experience and exposure but I think there's other opportunities. You know, I was down the park playing two, two versus two and three versus three. And those experiences really taught me the game and especially playing with older players. So um, it's different now, but I think, you know, in some ways it's better and in some ways it's not. And, you know, you just have to kind of adjust and, and kind of grow with the game. Yeah, exactly right. And I know you're trying to grow the game. Uh, tell me about the great mentors you've been involved with. Of course, you know, when I think of, you, man, I think of, you know, uh, Rick Pitino, John Calipar, all those great guys. But who along the way kind of helped you in the coaching ranks? Yeah, well, you know, for me, I, I always really looked up to my brother as someone who um, was very involved in the game and really passionate about coaching. And I think that's what really sparked my interest as a young kid because, I just remember we, we, we had a lot of great teams at the youth basketball level and he had great high school teams and um, just, just his composure and the way that he built relationships with kids. And I kind of said like, that's, that's something I want to do. And my dad had always coached youth basketball for a lot of years. And I saw how the kids looked up to him as a mentor too. And a, and a lot of kids who, you know, growing up in the city, there was some kids that didn't have a whole lot. So to, have a, a coach that they could look up to. I think that really meant a lot. Um, you know, so I think those are two people that for me personally, I, I always look to, you know, there's, there's great coaches um, at the, you know, college and the NBA level. And in fact, I, I can, I can tell you a quick story about one that grew up in my city, but for me, um, you know, my dad uh, was an inspiration to me in terms of his work ethic, not only with the game of basketball, but beyond that, um, as a union worker that put a lot of hours in. Um, and then my brother in terms of, you know, the relationships he built with players and then also really getting the most out of players. I, I always remember being a, a, a player on the team who was one of the better players and there were some kids that weren't as good and my brother always got the most out of them. And to me, that's a big part of coaching. If you're going to be successful, you have to get the most out of every player. And I would just remember kids getting baskets in games or making key plays that at the beginning of the season weren't very good. And so I, I always kept that with me when I went on and coached and, and I really admire, um, you know, obviously both of them. Um, in terms of in my, my city, um, Mike Procopio, who's, who works for the Dallas Mavericks now as the director of player development, I actually know him personally. And um, he actually worked in some of the leagues I played in as a kid. And what I really admire about Mike is he really started from the beginning and, and you know, put his time in. And he eventually became a player development coach and now works for the Dallas Mavericks. But where he started and, and where he got to, um, you know, it's, it's so impressive. And I, you know, I admire him for what he did and coming from the same city as me and, um, you know, really growing into the role that he, he, he has grown into. And I've reached out to him and he and I have, have talked and he's given me some good advice in terms of, you know, things I could do to kind of grow, 
you know, where I am now. So as a younger coach, I think my dad and my brother, but now as I've grown into the role I've grown into, I, I look to people like Mike and other coaches that have been where I am and, and have gotten a step further. And um, it, it's, it's really impressive what, what he's done. And he's, he's the nicest person. And, um, you know, I can't say enough good things about him too. Yeah. Mike has an interesting story. Um, I mean, he, of course he always laughs. He goes, you know, if you look at me, you know, I don't look like a trainer, but he, he's considered one of the best. So he's de- definitely done it the right way. Just through grit and hard work. huh? Yeah. He, you know, he started co- working with um, Leo Papel, uh, BABC. And I remember seeing him with these giant players at my, my local gym uh, way, way <laughs> back in the day. And, uh, you know, to see him kind of come through the ranks and, um, you know, my brother was at, at one point he worked for the Celtics. My brother was at a season ticket holder event and saw Mike there. And just Mike is that guy who's a regular guy and he couldn't be nicer. And if he saw you at, you know, I, he, a camp I worked at, he, he was there as a speaker and he just couldn't be nicer and not just to me or my brother, but really to anybody. He's very, very humble. And I, I love how he always talks about dominate simple and, you know, to, to really, keep the game simple and basic and focus on some of the details. And that's something I've taken with me as a player development coach and really also as a, as a head coach too. So, um, you know, it's, it's great to see people in the same city that I grew up in um, go on to do great things. Yeah. So true. And I want you to really share with us what you're doing. Uh, one of the uh, questions, and I was kind of going over your, I was actually doing a, a podcast yesterday a little actually the day before um but i was reading some of your questions so you had some great questions on your chat um but tell us about coaching through the pandemic there's a certain strategy this is this is different than we've ever had before literally you got kids you got to get them to actually practice on their own which is tough for a lot of kids yeah, I mean, it's 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 uncharted waters. I mean, I think for everybody at this point, and it's something that, you know, it's it's new for everyone. We're all trying to adjust to it. But, you know, last night I had the Get Better Basketball chat or the GBET BB chat, which I focused on that topic because I'm like, you know what? There's so many coaches that chime in. There's high school and college and youth coaches that, and even professional or player development coaches that chime in and they share kind of their thought process and the things they're doing. I'm like, I want to know more about, and I'm sure other coaches do. What are we doing during this, this time where, you know, we've never dealt with this before. And there was a lot of great ideas that came out, you know, in terms of things coaches could do. And, you know, for me, you know, one of the questions I asked at the end um, was personally and professionally, what are some of the things you're doing? And I, you know, I kind of shared my own experience right now. You know, I'm, I'm trying to work out every day and I'm trying to connect with my family and my parents on zoom. And, um, you know, I'm trying to get out every day with my family and do an activity. But I also asked people like, how are you connecting with your players? And it was interesting because a lot of coaches are using zoom right now, which is a hot commodity. And some coaches are doing player development clinics on that. Some coaches are just connecting with them. And I think the big theme that really came out of this, uh, you know, from the chat and what I've heard from coaches is stay connected. And the more you can connect with your family, your players, 
Um, you know, it, that's such an important piece. So, you know, we want our players to get better. We want them, we want to send them workouts and, and strength training to help them grow and develop, but stay connected to them because we all know, and I, and I know you know this as a coach, Kevin, that the more, you know, the relationships is, is really what it's about. That's why coaches do what they do. And that's a huge part of it. And, um, obviously the wins and losses are, are a part of it as well, but, you know, the relationship you develop with players is such a big part of it. So really stay connected. And I thought that was a really big theme that came out of last night's chat was how coaches are connecting with their players and then also trying to stay connected as coaches by getting better through clinics, um, uh, online podcasts like the one you have right now and, um, you know, connecting with their families too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's so true. I mean, and there's no right, right, Coach? I mean, you have to stay. And I, I got a matter of fact, I'll see you uh, what I'm doing with my players. I actually have a lot of your videos that you have on. And I really want you to share with us um, a lot of the instructional tips and the videos that you have because I really want to get your website. Uh, actually, what you're doing, your, your Twitter account is awesome, Coach. You're doing a great job sharing your workouts are great, your Get Better Basketball. So kind of talk to us a little bit about what, what you're doing to help us coaches out, develop better players. Well, I mean, obviously the chat is part of it. I think that coaches have a really good sounding board to connect with other coaches. And it's funny because coaches have reached out to me and, you know, coaches, one in Texas and one in North Carolina that are both running dribble drive or who's running in Minnesota or pressure defense and, and someone in California. So it's interesting because it's been a good opportunity for coaches to connect in, in that form. But then also in terms of player development, I try to share out um, every Saturday and Sunday, I try to share out some type of skills challenge, one for shooting and one just general skills. Mm -hmm. And then every Sunday night through this pandemic, I've shared out the get better basketball workouts. And this was our fifth week this last week. Uh, there's over 500, it's actually over 600 coaches now as of just today, uh, coaches that have reached out to me. Um, that I'm sending workouts to. And, you know, it's really about how can you make the most of this situation? I mean, some people will look at it as obviously there's, there's negative aspects to it, but I think a lot of people are trying to say, find the positive in, in what's going on right now. And I think the positive is that there's opportunities for players to get better. And right. I think whether it's without weights and home workouts, um, that they're doing with their own body weight or stuff they're doing out in their driveway, there are chances for players to get better. So I've tried to share that stuff out obviously during a really unique time. And even outside of the, you know, what, what's going on now, I really try to share out a lot of uh, different offensive sets and drills and skills and things people can work on. Um, because I think, you know, for me as a coach, I love to hear what other people are doing and, um, I'm, I'm excited that people, um, you know, like to hear what I'm doing too. Yeah. And talk about uh, the question. I, I have a, quite a few questions, but I, I really want to talk about what are your key principles? Let's say, for example, um, you want to teach shooting. Shooting is obviously the main core skill uh, and also footwork. Give me some of your core principles on teaching skill development. 
Yeah. So, you know, for, for me, um, I, I really try to break it down for players into um, very small components and really keep it, keep it simple as much as possible. Um, you know, so with, with shooting, when I get a, a player, especially at a young age, we're doing a lot of form shooting. We're focused on technique. Um, and, and really for me, what I would recommend for coaches is really the progression um, you know, we start very basic with just form shooting and then we add the footwork and then, you know, we start to work on one dribble shots and then we start to work on um, catching out a triple threat. And so just just different progressions from the basic form shooting and even form shooting itself. I break down to, you know, one hand and then putting the balance, what I would call the balance hand uh, next to the ball. Um, and then putting it on the basketball and, and that could take up to like, you know, depending on how much players work on their game, you're talking months or even up to a year with some of these younger players, again, depending on how passionate they are about the game of basketball, the more they shoot on their own, the the better they're going to get. So for me, as you're developing some of those skills, it's so important to break it down into very, very small components. And that's been my approach um, as a player development coach. And it's something that has worked well for players um, at the lower levels. But then also as you transition players into, you know, high school and college players that I work with, um, you know, still breaking down, you know, hesitation dribble, shooting off a of hesitation. And I really try to focus on um, – moves that um, kind of work off one another. So hesitation, hesitation, cross, hesitation, shot, and building in those options so players learn to make decisions. And as I, when I work with some of the older players, it's teach them how to do it and work with them on air. I build in some guided defense, and then I build in a decision with me or another coach that's working with them. So again, it's really about that progression. Make sure they have the good technique. Make sure they can do it with some guided defense on them. And then make sure they can do it where they have to make a decision in a split second. Um, so it, it's a lot of it is very progressive. And I think um, we see a lot of drills out there. And there's some coaches that keep it really basic. And there's some coaches that you see very, very advanced drills. And I would say to coaches who are trying to work and develop players, um, it has to start somewhere and it's okay to teach that technique. And I don't think we see enough of that on social media. And we see uh, a player doing a, a very advanced move, but we don't see where they came from and where they started. And I'm okay with putting out videos of players who are just learning some of the techniques and things that we're doing, because I think that really helps coaches, um, you know, that are starting out. And I think it also puts things in perspective that you don't just jump in and shoot a hesitation cross, you know, hesitation cross pull up, you know, there's, there's some technique that goes into that. And obviously the footwork component, as you mentioned. Yeah, I love that. And I want, um, the one thing I really believe in though, and I I believe it, I, I, I have the ability I teach K five PE coach. So I have my kids all the way from kindergarten on up. So I start, I start from scratch. I really believe that you teach a third grader, fourth grader, the same techniques that you would teach my varsity kids. 
um, and you start very basic. I'll be I'll be honest with you. I think shooting the lack of form is so easy to get in bad habits. And I think as coaches, we make a lot of mistakes on not teaching hand placement, particularly with the offhand. It's little things I don't think is taught enough. What do you think? Yeah, and I, I you know, and I think at, at the lower levels, I mean, you know, depending on how they play too, because there's a lot of, you know, when I played in second grade, I shot on a 10 foot hoop. And now I think some, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think some places are starting to now transition to, as I think Europe was kind of probably in the forefront on this, but bringing the hoop down a little bit to teach kids how to shoot with better technique. So I think things like that make it make such a big difference, but you know, some of those finite, those finite details that you're talking about, like your hand placement and how that can impact your shot. You know, I don't know that it gets taught enough. And I think one of the challenges is that some of the people who are involved with youth basketball who give all their free time, you know, they give their free time up and they're volunteering and they do a lot of great work, but maybe some of those coaches aren't as experienced. And, And I think that's where, some of the stuff that I try to share on Twitter and some of the workouts I share, it's to show coaches that it's okay to do form shooting. It's okay. There's some coaches out there right now who say you have to jump right into games-based coaching and everything's got to be games-based. And I, and I get that. And there's, it's valid to a point and there's a time and a place for it, but I think there's a time and a place to show a kid how to go right foot, left foot, and then take a right-handed layup. And, and, and do it the proper way. And obviously I know, I know there's off foot layups now and stuff too. I'm not saying you can't do that, but there's some right. benefit to teaching kids proper technique and layups, proper technique and shooting, how to handle the basketball, how to handle the basketball under pressure. So, you know, I, I, I think that with the younger players, they're seeing some of these experienced players do very advanced drills or they're seeing stuff on social media that's getting put out there with these players doing these crazy seven dribble moves. And (laughs) it's taking away from uh, some of what they need to do, which is kind of, you have to crawl before you walk. And, and, you know, some of these kids aren't doing that. So to your point, I think hand placement and, you know, things like that. And even taking a layup with contact, you know, and people are trying to show kids how to take double pump reverse Euro step reverse layups, and they can't even make a a layup, a regular right-handed layup. So, and it's not a knock against those people. I think, you know, they're, they're trying to help players and I appreciate anyone that goes out there and they're trying to work with players and they're giving up their time to do it. But I think really the more fundamental you can keep it. And this is my own perspective the better you're going to be in in the long run. And you can get to those more advanced moves. And you, I think you really said it. I think um, the more basic and basic is boring, right, coach? I mean, most people don't want to teach it or don't know how to teach it. So that, that's just part of it. But uh, I really think it's a, I really think it's important for coaches to really start from scratch every workout, particularly in shooting. Hey, you have a lot of great in your workout. Talk about your get better workouts. You sent me, like five weeks of the workout, man. Great detail. Tell us about that because I'm going to send that to a lot of coaches. I really love what you're doing. 
No, I, I appreciate that. You know, I, I said, you know, this is a time when a lot of people are struggling and not everybody has a, a, a doctor dish, which is someone who I work very closely with uh, their shooting machine and all purpose skills machine. And uh, it's a great machine, but not everyone can afford that, especially at these times. So I tried to come up with workouts that were, um, you know, with skills and things players could do individually, sometimes without a, even a basket or sometimes if they just have a basket in their driveway. And, um, you know, I was, I was a little worried when I, when I first decided to do it, cause I'm like, I'm going to send these workouts out and people are going to kind of think like, man, they're doing just form shooting and mic and drill. And so I really try <laughs> to emphasize these are at home workouts and, but you know what? I do mic and drill with some of my college players who uh, play at a very high level because you get a lot of reps in and it's a great, you know, 30 seconds, get a bunch of reps in, get a good warm up in. Um, but, you know, I, I had to think about that. And so I try to tell people, you know what, these are at home workouts and there's things like spinning the ball out and stepping into your shot with the proper footwork, uh, progressive shooting. But as I've gone on, I've also tried to share some uh, more advanced drills and some challenges that I do uh, with with players that I work with. Uh, and some of the challenges they can do on their own and some of them they, they may or may not need a rebound for rebounder for. But I've tried to share some additional drills and skills and things that players can do. But for me, it's, it's really about sharing with players at a time when um, – you know, some of them might, might, might not have workouts and things that they can do. They can't get into a gym. And so how do you make this applicable to you're in your driveway? It's 40 degrees outside. Cause that's what it was in Massachusetts today. <laughs> and yeah. uh, you can get outside or you can go in your garage. And, you know, one of my players uh, sent me uh, a video of them doing the skills workout in their garage because it was, it was snowing out last week and they said, I'm still working out coach. And so th I think that's what it's about. And, and, you know, that's why I decided to share these workouts and um, you know, obviously, you know, they're, they're free and I'm sending them out to everybody. And I just, I try to support players and coaches as much as I can. And um, I hope players and coaches are able to get something out of it. Yeah, no, no. Well, I know this. We are. So at least you're helping one coach out, but I know you're helping quite a few <laughs> coaches and players, though. And also it's, you know, it saves us coaches a lot of time. You have everything organized. I, I tell you what I like about it. You have beginning, intermediate, advanced. And I think that's important since I deal with all different grade levels. And uh, I really like what you're doing with that. No, I, I appreciate that. You know, with um, seeing the different – so the first week I did it, I tried to come up with a kind of a general workout. And the second week I started thinking about it and I said, you know what? I said, we have – there's coaches who are reaching out to me that are, are parents that are like have fourth and fifth graders. So I'm, I want to really break this down. And if I work with a, a fourth or fifth grade player or a sixth grade player, this is what I recommend. And if I work with a seventh, eighth, ninth grade player, like at that intermediate type of level, and then if I work with like a varsity or college or professional type player, these are things that, that they can do. So I've, I've tried to break it down in that way. And it takes a little bit more time to kind of go through each of the drills, but I'm getting a lot of positive feedback from coaches and their, and, and parents and players and, 
it, it's been kind of cool, um, you know, during this time to be able to do something and give something back. I feel like basketball has uh, given a lot to me as a coach and as a player. And, um, you know, so for me to be able to do that and get that positive feedback from coaches and players and parents, and it, it's been kind of a cool, cool thing for me. Yeah. And we appreciate you giving back now. Um, and I think a lot of coaches, um, there's, it seems like more than ever now, coaches are really giving back. That definitely through the social media, the virtual clinics. Talk about you're going to be presenting at the virtual coaches clinic, which I I absolutely love. Um, and um, tell us about what what you're going to be talking about. So what I've tried to do the last couple of probably the last month or so as you know, this, this is all kind of hit us and I'm like, you know, there's a lot of clinics out there. And one of my goals this year was to, um, you know, start a coaches clinic, hopefully in the fall uh, in, in my area, in the new England area, because I have a lot of coaches in this area that follow me. And I'm like, I would love to give back and be able to do that. So seeing that that might, may or may not happen at this point. I, I started doing get better basketball, um, virtual clinics. And then obviously Layson uh, reached out to me who is with the virtual coaches clinic and, yeah. you know, asked if I'd like to present for them because um, some coaches had reached out and were interested in, in hearing from me. And when I've done the, the zoom clinics, I've only kept it to like 25 to 30 people because I really try to personalize it. One of the things I see with coaches clinics is, there's 300 people or 200 people in it. And, you know, it's very tough to get into those questions and answers. So um, I've yeah. done two or three uh, zoom clinics for aspiring head coaches. There's so much stuff out there right now with X's and O's. If I'm a young up and coming coach, I'm 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. I feel like I have to run the most progressive offenses and I have to, do all these things defensively. And there's so many different things out there in terms of X's and O's that I think a lot of the clinics have missed a point on it's about relationships and it's about how do you develop a practice plan and, and, you know, how do you manage dealing with parents and parent communication? And so I've tried to reach out to aspiring head coaches to really give them uh, some tidbits and things I've learned along the way my last clinic I did, I actually shared my coaching portfolio with coaches to prepare them for job for a job interview. So, um, you know, I've tried to think outside the box. I mean, I could get in there and, and get into the X's and O's with, with the best of them. But at the same time, I feel like coaching goes, that's like a percentage of coaching. And I think a bigger part of it is the relationships and getting into how do you manage a program? How do you develop leaders in your program uh, and things like that? So I, I try to really offer up those opportunities and that's what I'm going to do uh, at the coaches clinic for aspiring head coaches as well. Yeah. And, and talk about, I'm going to pick out one area you mentioned, talk about practice planning because I don't think there's one standard way. I, I've, I've interviewed a lot of coaches there. Each one is different. Tell me about what you believe in with practice planning. So I, I, a couple of things that come to mind for me. Um, one thing that I try to do that's probably a little different than a lot of high school coaches I talk to is really give more ownership to my assistant coaches 
Um, I, I worked very, of course, one of them was my brother and one of them was a close friend of mine, but I try to work very hard in, in conjunction with them in order to develop plans where they could have some ownership in those plans. So whether there's a small side of game on re, that, that kind of focuses on rebounding, um, I might have one of my assistants work on that or, you know, my brother might take. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Hi, I'm Alex Stevenson, athletic director and girls basketball coach at Dodd City. I've been at Dodd City for seven years. During those seven years, we've won seven district championships, been to six regional tournaments and three state championship games. I'm a huge fan of this podcast, what it brings and the platform that we're able to share knowledge and wisdom on and, and grow as coaches. Over, uh, you know, we work with posting guards and he might take ownership of a, a, one of those. He worked up primarily with the post players, but I try to come up with practice plans where it's not going to just be about me. It's going to be about the development of the players and also giving coaches ownership because I think the more ownership you give coaches in practice, the more they're going to be able to contribute in the games. And what I found was that my, my assistant coaches were able to be extremely productive in games at halftime. They had great input and feedback for me during the game. They were drawing up plays. The opponent was running. They were giving feedback on that. They were looking at specific areas that impacted uh, the position they were working with or, or maybe a focus point like rebounding. So one thing that I really encourage coaches to do that goes outside of just writing up a practice plan is empower your assistant coaches to take on those roles. And there's an element of trust in that, but I think that comes down to the head coach developing those assistant coaches, working with them, providing them with role clarity and what they can really get out of them. I think that's a big part of it. And then one of the other things um, I really tried to do as, as a head coach in terms of practice planning was come up with a theme for each day. And when I came in as a head coach, I obviously um, had had some experience as an assistant coach. And one of the things I tried to do that was a little different than what I had seen other teams do was build my core values into practice every single day. So we had teamwork Tuesday. We had accountability Thursday. We had appreciation Friday. We had get better Saturday. So we had specific themes around our day. And at the end of accountability Thursday, I had my best communicator. At the end of uh, Teamwork Tuesday, I had the player that most exemplified being a great teammate in that practice. They encouraged the other players. So I tried to highlight our core values in practice. So those are two things in a practice plan that kind of are a little bit outside of the box in terms of what other coaches do. Um, but I know that some coaches are, are, are kind of thinking in those terms. And then the, the last thing I would say in terms of practice plan, um, and obviously this is something I'm very, very passionate about. I love kind of breaking things down uh, for the coaches and for the players. Um, I, I was really a defense first coach. I felt like players love offense, players love shooting. 
They love they love competing in small sided games. So my first part of my practice was always dedicated to defense. Uh, my brother was a very defensive minded coach. I'm a very defensive minded coach. I felt like we had great competitive practices uh, defensively early on, and it was very easy to transition into offense. So I I, I encourage coaches to do that, but you know, not everyone has that same mindset or belief system. So, you know, it's obviously different for everybody, but that was something that worked very, very well for my teams. We did, we were very heavily uh, focused on defense early in the game. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, for sure. And I appreciate the insight there, but you said something really important that you have to do what you believe in and you can't do a million things. So I'm assuming defense is one of your core values in your program. And don't, don't you agree that coaches, we need to kind of narrow it down to two or three things we want to be great at. Yeah. You know, and, and, and for us, you know, our, so our focus philosophically was uh, pressure. You know, we had our core values, accountability, appreciation, teamwork, competitiveness, et cetera. But our focus point in terms of playing was, Pressure. We wanted to put pressure on our opponents defensively with our full court man-to-man defense and some zone pressure as well. And we also wanted to put pressure on our opponents on the offensive end of the floor by getting out in transition. One of the things that I believe in, you know, kind of philosophically is I kept it pretty simple on offense. We ran a dribble drive offense. We focused on our spacing. We had some different actions to get into that and some different things that we did. Um, but what was most important to us was our, our pressure and our defense, and it really was our identity. So I kept our offense pretty basic for the most part, and our players knew it. They knew how to make decisions. Um, I really tried to focus on decision-making, get out in transition, get in, flow into our dribble drive, um, and some of our secondary stuff. And then it gave me time to put a little more emphasis on our, our pressure defense. I know some coaches think the other way. They say, I want to focus more on our offense and I'm going to keep my defense maybe half court man and keep it a little more basic. So, you know, whatever you do and whatever you believe in, and there's a lot of different philosophies and I, who am I to say what's right or wrong. I, I kept my offense really, really basic because we were very much a defensive oriented team and we got a lot of points off of turnovers and we were fortunate to do that. But to your point, uh, Kevin, I, I, you know, I think you can't, you can't try to do too many things. Our players knew we were going to run our dribble drive. They knew we were going to use our full court pressure defense and we were going to try to get out in transition. And like, that was our identity. Um, And I think it's, you know, to that point, I think it's so important to have an identity for your team. Um, And that's something I would encourage for younger coaches. When you take over a program, what do you see your program doing? What do you see them as? What's going to be your identity? What are you going to hang your hat on? And some of that is a a football coach's mentality in terms of like, kind of what are you going to hang your hat on? But um, I think it's important for basketball as well. Yeah. And I love that. And I think the only difficulty being a coach for, you know, my 30th year now, some of the difficulties with that, and I think you're probably were the same way, is you're going to get different kids. You, you basically got to take who you have. <laughs> and so if you're running a dribble drive, 
you better be sure that you're going to need kids that can all handle the ball and be able to tack the tack the rim. So, but but there's adjustments you can make within your philosophy, right? Yeah. So you know, my my first year we had a. Um, uh, center who ended up playing in college and having a really successful career. And they were about six, one, six, two. And we use them, um, differently. We posted them sometimes, which isn't te- technically a dribble drive philosophically, like a little outside of dribble drive. We kind of were a little more hybrid dribble drive, so to speak. Um, but we use them in different ways. And then my last couple of years, we had a center who was, eh, they were still pretty tall, maybe 5'10". They were an excellent rebounder, but we brought them out away from the basket a little more. And we ran some actions where we pulled them away a little bit more and brought some centers outside and let them use the dribble a little bit more to get to the basket. So I think within that offense, a big part of it is, yeah, you got to be able to dribble drive to get to the basket, but there's other things you can do creatively to support players in that. And the thing I loved about it was, um, you know, obviously players have to be able to get to the hoop with either hand, but there's a lot of brush screens. There's a lot of backdoor cuts. There's a lot of pass and, and, and backdoor cuts. So we had different teams over the years. And my last couple, my, my first couple of years, we were a little more athletic. And my last couple of years, we had some athletes, but we also had some really, high IQ players. So we were able to kind of make adjustments within that offense over the course of time. But I think the important thing was as those players came up as seventh graders, eighth graders, then freshmen and sophomores and so on, they were running dribble drive. So they knew the offense and they knew the intricate details of it. And then we kind of made adjustments as we needed to within that offense. So you know, my, my last year, the way we ran it, sometimes we were actually five out, which is not technically a dribble drive concept, um, you know, with, with the player down on the block who usually relocates. But it, it worked for us in, in terms of what we were trying to accomplish and pulling players away from the basket and creating space. Where my first couple of years, we were more uh, block to, high po- to elbow to high post things like that. And we had, you know, we had a pretty good athlete at that time as well, but we just did things differently and made adjustments as we needed to. Yeah. And it sounds like you played, and I I totally agree, um, is you played conceptually. That means you probably gave them some key concepts and you let the kids play and then make adjustments, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, so they, they knew their reads and different things they could do off of kind of, the traditional kind of Vance Wahlberg type offense, but how we got into the dribble drive looked different with different teams. Um, So that was kind of like, we were going to come down, we were going to get into our break, maybe our secondary, and then players knew we would kind of flow into that dribble drive type of offense. So, you know, to your point in terms of conceptual offense, and in some ways we were positionless my last couple of years because we would end up five out and our center could get out on the perimeter and shoot threes and get to the basket. And there was a lot of things that they were able to do. So, um, you know, and I think it's important as, as, as a high school coach, college you can recruit to what you want to run. As a high school coach, I think it's good to have a system because players know it. And again, some of this is my football background. 
Uh, I was an offensive coordinator in football and a former college football player. So, you know, I feel like knowing the system is so important because if you change it every single year, I feel like the players may not, they may overthink it and they may be thinking more than reacting. So for me, it was like, if we can put them in positions to make decisions on the fly, then we're going to be better off as a team versus we're going to put in a new offense the next year based on personnel. And, you know, we're going to have a bunch of players that are overthinking what they need to do. So we kind of morphed, as you said, kind of conceptually what we did in dribble drive to our personnel a little bit, but we had the basic principles, the kickbacks, the kickups, the back doors, the tee ups, they knew the basics. And then we kind of added in, and that's why I call us kind of a hybrid dribble drive team because we sure. added in some of those other details. Yeah, and I, I tell you, it's I always feel I believe in the passing cut, and I and it's so simple at the high school level. I coach girls, so if you're a good passing and cutting team, that always sets up great dribble drive action, and that's one thing we really focus on in our offense. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's interesting because my first couple of years with Dribble Driver was very much about, you know, <clears throat> getting to the hoop and, and you know, drop two, drop three, and kickbacks. And, you know, right. and then as I transitioned my last couple of years, it's more to what you're talking about in terms of making some of those passes, cutting through, clearing space, open up double or triple gaps, as, as we call it, kind of in that, in that type of offense. And trying yeah. to find ways to do that um, creatively. And, you know, we ran some pick and roll um, or pick and pop because we had a player, who, a post, as I said, who could shoot from the outside. So we tried to do some things that were a little bit outside of the box within that offense. And, um, you know, it, we, we benefited from it. And, uh, you know, but it's, it's, it's different for everyone. Yeah, for sure. Coach, And I, I ask – all my people that I interview is I, I want your best one or two practice drills. I always want my coaches leaving with a couple of great drills you guys use and practice on that. Can you tell me even you probably drills you probably use now with your player individual workouts, but give me some great, give me a one or two great drills. The number one thing that we did that helped us as a team, again, being defensive oriented, but also helped us offensively as well. And I can kind of describe both sides of it. Um, we played five on four every single day in practice. We did some type of segment, sometimes in the full court, but typically in the half court, we played five on four. So we had four defensive players and then five offensive players. And we might tell the offensive players, okay, today you're going to pass and cut. So we would, you know, early in the season, we would just work on rotations. And at the eighth grade level, a ninth grade level, a JV level, the first couple of practices, you can't go out there and play live five on four because, you know, they don't understand how to communicate and how to close out and how to rotate. And I have two, I have ball. So you have to really walk players through that. But at our level, at the varsity level, we play five on four. And we would tell, play, you know, the offense, you're going to run the flex or you're going to run dribble drive or you're going to run, um, you know, pass and cut through, 5-0 pass and cut or whatever. And our defense would obviously have to defend that. And we basically, if you were on defense, you could get points. 
So you can get, you know, if you got a stop, you got a point. If you got another stop, two point, you know, so on and so forth. And the only way that you can go play defense was if you scored on offense. So if you scored on offense, you got to go play defense and now you could get points. So the only way you could accrue points, and again, as a defensive-minded coach, was by getting stops on defense. I think this is probably similar to like the kill drill where you have to get three stops in a row. Um, It has some similarities. So we did that every single day, and that's one of the drills I really, really love. The other thing I – so two other things I I, I really like. One was what we call war. Um, A lot of – Division one college coaches run this two, three and high school coaches. It can be four on four or five on five. But basically what we did was a coach would shoot the ball and there would be an offensive or defensive rebounding opportunity that then would turn into transition. So if defense got the rebound, they would go down the other end of the floor and they would attack the basket and then they would score or the, the, uh, original offensive team would get the rebound and then they would come back the other way. So it, it would just be a, a shot, a rebound, go down one way and come back and then switch offense and defense. And what I liked about that was we were able to incorporate rebounding, transition offense, secondary offense, and then also maybe some of your half-court half offensive philosophies. And then if a team scores, you were able to – get the ball out of the basket and fly back up the floor and try to get an opportunity. So we called it war. We gave points for things we wanted to emphasize. We might say, we used to love to say an offensive rebound was worth two points because it would really encourage our players. We, we always sent four to the glass. So it would really encourage our players to hit the glass hard um, and it would make it super competitive. So that was another one we love to do. And then um, one versus one advantage drills we did for finishing, um, you know, like a dribble handoff and then one player attacks the basket and the other one's on defense and you're, you're trying mm-hmm. to finish against them. We would do stuff like that as well. So th- those are some of the drills we did, but I mean, we did defensive stations and offensive stations every day and there was a lot to our practices, but those are some of kind of the small sided games approach that we took every day. Yeah. And I love it. Cause they, it, they're, they're game-like drills. And I think, don't you recommend for coaches, man, we got to be more game-like. Um, you know, even in the five-on-zero, you got to either put some type of um, – some type, you know, some, something – even in your five-on-zero, which I don't believe in, I think you always got to have offense, defense, but always make it as game-like as possible, right? Yeah, one, one of the things actually – it's interesting you mentioned the five-on-zero. So one of the things we would do – um, we would do uh, what we would call like our pride drill. So basically we would come down and we would run one of our sets through and, you know, into dribble drive and we would hit a layup and all the players would run under the basket and each of the five players had to make a layup. And so they would get the rebound, layup, layup, layup. It was, it was completely on air. But coach would have a ball. Once the fifth layup was hit, coach would outlet the ball to the sideline and there was four players waiting on the other end of the floor. So those five players had to go from under the basket to sprinting as fast as they could down the other end of the floor. And they had to get a stop on the other end of the floor. 
And so we, and we, we made a game out of that. So we, they would run the offensive set because we wanted to be able to make sure they could run some of our actions. They'd hit the layups. We get some layups in and then they'd sprint back. It was great for conditioning. It was a great competitive drill and it was a great way. Like we were five on zero for like, a, a, you know, 30 seconds, but then it quickly transitioned into a transition and a very competitive drill. So um, I don't love to do five on zero, but I think sometimes you have to, to teach certain skills, especially yeah. at lower levels, but there's also opportunities to go five on zero to five on five. And that was a great, we called it pride drill because you wanted to make all, you wanted to run your offense. You had to run your offense through, you had to make all your layups and then you had to get a stop on defense. And if you did all three, you got three points and then you switch sides and you would do it again. So that was a great drill for us that that um, kind of incorporates a little bit of five on zero. Yeah, I love that. And I, I would probably guarantee that five on zero went pretty sharply because they knew um, they knew they had to get back. They had to, you know, they had to crash the boards and then get back in transition. That's a great game like drill. I appreciate you sharing that. Coach, hey, I want you, you have the coach calls timeout.com. Um uh, website and also I see a lot on Twitter. They got some great stuff on that. Tell us about that. Yeah, so Dan uh, Jonker and I started. Uh, we partnered up uh, probably about six months ago, and uh, Dan does a phenomenal job. I've actually um, talked to him on his podcast as well. And what I love about him is he's really focused on hitting different levels of the game and he shares plays. This is a great play for youth basketball. And this is a great play for college basketball. And he shares zone offensive plays and man to man plays. He hits all different levels. And he also um, has a podcast. He has a blog that gets into a lot of, like he shared a great transition drill not too long ago. Um, So he shares a lot of different information. And I feel like a lot of the sites that are out there, are very like, it's just X's and O's. And what I love about Dan is that he goes beyond that. And that's one of the reasons I decided to kind of partner up and work with him. He's doing a 30-day coaches challenge right now for coaches out there during this difficult time. So he goes above and beyond in terms of um, putting content and drills and skills and things out there for coaches in the blog format, uh, and diagrams, and then also things like his 30-day challenge that he's doing with coaches now. So I've learned a ton from Dan. He and I have worked very closely together, and I always go to his – when I when I want to learn something or I want to look up a specific set or action, he's my go-to, and he was, and that's why we started working together. Yeah, and there's a lot of great resources out there, right, Coach? I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there right now, and uh, I really enjoyed looking at it. And, of course, I really enjoyed what you're doing. You're really helping out me and a lot of coaches. Hey, um, tell us how we can get a hold of you. Give all your information so my coaches can go right on your site and take a look at it. Yeah, so if uh, coaches want to reach out, it's uh, Coach underscore DeMarco, um, at Coach underscore DeMarco. That's on Twitter and kind of getting into Instagram a little bit. Um, On YouTube, I just started up a YouTube page. I actually had a great conversation um, uh, on Lead Him Up uh, with Lead Him Up, uh, Kyle Elmendorf, on building, uh, creating a, a winning culture with your team. 
Um, and they lead him up as a great resource for, for coaches of all different levels. And that's on my YouTube channel now. So I just kind of getting into the kind of the YouTube game right now and putting videos up on that. So get better basketball on YouTube. And then, you know, if coaches want to DM me, really Twitter is probably the best way to uh, reach out and get in contact with me. Um, and I'm always happy. You know, I, I get a lot of coaches that have questions about uh, after the chats or about drills and skills and workouts and things that I share. And I, I get back to every single coach uh, that reaches out to me. It takes a few days sometimes because sometimes I get a lot of uh, inquiries, but I love that because you know what? I have an opportunity to share the game and um, it, it really is a cool thing. I, I feel blessed to be able to uh, communicate with so many great coaches like yourself, Kevin and Dan, who I work with the coach calls timeout and uh, Dr. Dish basketball and just so many great people out there and, and companies that, that I work with. So I feel blessed to be able to do that. Yeah. And thanks so much for sharing, giving back to the game and when's your next, uh, uh, webcast coming up coach my next uh you saying the web so next week i will have part two yes on youtube of okay. uh so basically this week uh kyle shared uh traits one to five of okay winning cultures so basically as lead them up which is a group company that he works for they um basically research based that these are the traits that these winning cultures have so he shared one to five and this week we're going to get into six and seven and then after at the end of the conversation i actually asked him advice for uh coaches to stay connected with their teens and teams and continue to develop leaders in their program and also develop their teams uh during this pandemic because obviously that's, you know, it's, it's, it's what we're all dealing with. It's extremely relevant. And he had some great feedback on that too. So the next part of that will be out next week. And I've been trying to do, we, I have one on S uh, small sided games. I have one on uh, culture and core values. And then I have one right now. So we're, we're about three episodes in and uh, it, it seems to be growing each week. And I'm, I'm trying to get some really quality guests on. And, you know, I, I might be hitting you up pretty soon, Kevin, to get you on uh, for, <laughs> for a video. So maybe you'll maybe you'll uh, be able be OK to do that. Yeah, that'd be great. Man. I'm going to catch up. because I know I know Lead em Up's a great organization. Um, I've heard so many great things about it. And uh, but I really appreciate you sharing, Coach, man. You, you gave us a lot of great info. You're transparent in everything that you're doing uh, to help kids out, to help coaches out. So thanks again for coming on. I appreciate that, Kevin. And if there's any follow-up questions that coaches have or that you have yourself, um, you know, people can reach out to me and DM me on Twitter. Um, and like I said, I will get back to people and I'm happy to uh, continue to grow the game. And I hope that, Coaches come in and join the Get Better Basketball chat or hashtag GBETBB chat every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock uh, Eastern time. It's a great, okay. great opportunity for coaches to connect. Sure will, Coach. Thank you so much. And, hey, I appreciate the offer, man. I'm looking – I would look forward to that if you contact me. I'm sure you can find better coaches than Kevin Furtado, but uh, I'd be glad to come in. I think, you know what, you, you know, you know what, Kevin, I think what coaches always appreciate is the opportunity to connect with an experienced coach who's done it for a lot of years and has been successful like yourself. 
um, you know, and at all different levels. Like I said, there's so much stuff out there. Uh, and, and, you know, I know some coaches that coach at very, very high levels. I'm not one of them. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm not at, I'm not coaching a professional team right now, obviously. Uh, but, um, I think what people appreciate is to learn from coaches who they could see themselves in their shoes. And for you as a successful high school coach and for other coaches that, um, coach at different levels and even youth basketball coaches, we want to, I, I want to try to connect people with those coaches or organizations like lead them up. I think uh, there's not enough of that going on right now. And there's so many people that are intelligent, but it's so much value to add. So I'm, I'm hoping to do that. So I, I will be hitting you up. <laughs> Thank you, coach. I appreciate that. And, and thanks for sharing again, man. And you're right. Uh, I'm so glad I got in touch with you and I appreciate you coming on and sharing Thanks again. Take care of yourself. Stay healthy, okay? Appreciate that, Coach. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I've been working hard to build an online basketball school to help players and coaches. I'd love for you to check it out at puresweatbasketball.com. Hello, my name is Rory Hamilton. I'm the head girls basketball coach at Norman North High School in Norman, Oklahoma. If you're looking for top-notch basketball coaching instruction and help, look no further than the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. You can listen about our five keys to success at Norman North Girls Basketball, along with many other podcasts at championshipvision.org or listen on Spotify at Championship Vision. Happy hooping.